Welcome to the 360T Podcast, a series that features top industry professionals offering unique insights regarding how the FX market is developing around us. Hello, and welcome to the 360T Podcast with myself, Galen Stops. And I'm joined today by Andrew Strasman, principal of Totem Asset Group, which is a CTA based out of Chicago. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today. Galen, it is my pleasure to be here with you. So I wanted to talk to you about strategy. And in particular, I want to talk to you about trend following. I know this isn't all that CTAs do, but it's obviously over the years become very synonymous with the CTA community. So broadly speaking, how do you think that trend following as a strategy has performed in 2020? Well, okay, so from my perspective, trend should be having a banner year. And yet what we're finding Many managers we might think of in the trend camp have actually been having kind of terrible years. Much like the economy, we're seeing a K-shaped performance with some managers up, say, I don't know, 20 to 60%, and some accounts down 20 to up 10% only. I can't really recall a year with such broad dispersion, and there's probably many reasons why. You said that trend following should be having a banner year. What makes you say that? Well, If you think about trend, there's two main styles of trend following. One would be a moving average-based system, something like a moving average-based crossover system. And then the style that I prefer is what's known as a breakout strategy. Now, in both cases, what the managers are doing, they need data. So trend is driven by price action and driven by prices. So you need a bunch of data to look back on. So in the case of a moving average system, you know, how many days back will you be looking? Will it be 20 days, 50 days, 100, 200 days? You know, it's really up to each manager to assess and look at signals for themselves. And the same could be said to be true for the breakout style of trend following. So how big is your look back window? I would say a good place to start investigating. If you look at, uh, I think, the SockGen CTA trend indicator, they use a 20, 120 day moving average crossover system. Now, what I don't like about this style of trade, not that it's good or bad, it's just, it is what it is. It's always in the market, either long or short. Mm -hmm. So when these moving averages will cross over, as the name implies, they'll switch from a long position to a short position and vice versa. So what I don't like about this style of trade is it's always in the market. Now, you can compare and contrast that to a breakout style of trend following which could be long, short, or flat. So what I like about that style of trade is it allows for periods of consolidation and for markets to go sideways and start to pick up some potential kinetic energy as they move in a sideways pattern. You know, they're more or less at equilibrium. Then a breakout strategy is looking to capitalize on when that rotates to new levels of equilibrium. So Those are the two main styles of trend trading. They may explain why we're seeing this dispersion. And, you know, what we're seeing is managers with shorter look back windows, say, I don't know, 40 to 80 days, maybe. They seem to be outperforming managers that have very long look back windows of, say, 200 days. So the longer your look back window, it seems to be this year, the poorer your returns were. And it seems like the odds have favored diversified strategies with shorter look back windows, specifically in the breakout sector. That's what we think we're seeing. 
Okay. That certainly would go some way to explain the dispersion you mentioned. And when we think about trend following and CTAs more broadly, post-financial crisis, the trend in markets has, broadly speaking, been for equities to keep ticking up and keep ticking up. Has that been a challenge for trend-following CTAs? Because on the one hand, if they're following the trend, then they're no longer diversifying the portfolio, which is why a lot of investors have them in there. But if they don't follow the trend, uh, which was equities, then they're not making money. Well, you know, place blame on this for poor trend-following performance post-great financial crisis where it belongs. And that is squarely on the central banks. There's a very strong statistical evidence that shows the distortions they have caused explain most all of the upside move in the stocks and most all of the drawdowns trend strategies have faced. I have got a couple of great charts that show this in my market essays that your listeners might find on my website, totemasset.com, by looking at the market observations section under the insights tab. June of 2018, August of 2019, and September of 2019. All those essays are relevant to show what I'm going to kind of explain here. But by keeping a lid on excess volatility and forcing savers into risk assets such as equities, there has been a general lack of trending market behavior outside of the stock market, at least until this great virus crisis hit. So we can't make money if markets aren't moving. So you might say to the extent that one of the the two mandates of the Fed has been price stability. The Fed has done a great job on that front. Now, at what cost? That is to be determined. Now, to add on to that, trend might be thought of as a lowly correlated alternative investment to complement a traditional stock bond, real estate, VC, private equity portfolio, which does not necessarily mean it's inversely correlated to the stock market. Yeah. So we talk about convex and concave strategy types. If trend and alternatives might be viewed as a convex strategy type, i.e. we want markets to move. You might think of long S&P and you know, real estate, VC, private equity for that matter, to be concave and they don't really want markets to move. Do you think that, that that's a mistake that investors have made post-financial crisis, which was particularly because CTAs did so well around that period? And because often they have performed when when equities has gone down, that people have mistaken non-correlation for negative correlation? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, trend is a good portfolio diversifier. That's it. To the extent it looks like a long vol strategy. It's a good diversifier to the short vol strategy, even if the outcomes are mixed at times. Yeah, what we see is after 08, you know, everyone wanted some of that, right? It's too late to buy insurance after the fact, after (laughs) your house burns down. Yeah, it's too late. You know, the ship has sailed. So what you get is the effect of performance chasers coming into the market. And, you know, I just remind people, you know, it wasn't raining when Noah was building his ark. And I want to come back to the point you made about central banks, though, because obviously, you know, we had a massive fiscal stimulus this year from central banks and authorities around the world. How did this impact CTAs then, if, you, if some people have still been able to make money despite this kind of intervention? You're talking about this period right now, after they've printed another, what, three to five trillion dollars? Something like that. Um, give, give or take a trillion, you know? Yeah, okay. Yeah, like a trillion here, a trillion there. You know? <laughs> so if I'm a central banker, I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, they, they want to have a global currency based off the SDRs. You know, they're committed to a digital currencies. 
so this is like the track that they're going down. If I'm a central bank, I'm concerned that trend is making money regardless that they're printing money right now. I mean, look at Bitcoin. There's some things out there that with a beneficial perspective of hindsight will become real obvious. But uh, for now, you know, they're, they're doing their job, right? The Greenspan put you know, became the Bernanke put, became the Yellen put, became the Powell put. And I'm just going to assume one day it'll be the diamond put. But uh, <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> call it what it is. Okay. Do you think that FX as an asset class lends itself well to trend following strategies or not? That's a great question because it used to be the cleanest of all the trending markets. But, you know, these days it's generally so managed that it can be frustrating. And, you know, fiat currencies are more or less a mirage and a gigantic leap of faith in the sovereign nations that are printing them. As we talked about, you know, mouse clicks are trillions. This comes at a cost someday. And I would think that trend following strategies will be on the right side to catch those moves when they appear. And, you know, I hearken back to the summer of 97 when the Taibot collapsed. Remember that? I don't know if you're trading at the time or involved in markets, but when the Thai bot collapsed in 97, I think great moves like that may well be right around the corner for some currencies. And maybe I'm wrong, but I suspect that that could happen. You can look at a chart and you pull up a weekly chart and you'll see the Thai bot. Again, my February 2019 essay titled Roll Tack. There's a great chart in that. But what I talk about in regards to like trend following and FX space, what most people don't recall, and I recall this vividly, this is the first year I actually had an institutional grub stake to be trading. And I remember this clear as day. But what most people won't see when they look at that chart is how the bot got stronger immediately before it got weaker. Now, as a trend follower, I might have gotten long the bot. And then over the course of eight, nine, 10 sessions, I would have seen profits deteriorate until it was a scratch trade or maybe even a small loss. Now, if one were disciplined enough, they could have gone completely the other direction when they got that signal going the other way to capture a monster move. Now, if you were like a fundamental trader and put a lot of time and thought and effort into this and you were reluctant to admit you were wrong, your loss would have grown into a huge loss. And we actually yeah. did see this with some short option gamma. We don't really have time to go into it, but it was a, a monster move if you didn't have an opinion. So, you know, here we are. It seems like when you speak of FX as an asset class over the next 10 or 20 years, they want their IMF digital currency based on special drawing rights. You know, it would complete Keynes' vision for a global currency or bank or. And it's pretty clear that the battle between U.S. and China as a reserve currency to the world should make for an interesting decade or two. Yeah. Trend strategies are likely to participate as long as you keep an open mind and don't be too married to any thought process. Well, one thing that I'm always interested about when I have these kind of conversations is correlations. So mm. I'm always curious mm -hmm. to hear, how do you determine that a correlation is real? Because, I mean, I've had this conversation with people before. And um, there's a wonderful website that I found a while back that has things that are correlated, but there's no causation. So it has, you know, mm -hmm. per capita mm -hmm. cheese consumption tracks perfectly with the number of people who died by becoming tangled in their bedsheets. Or the, <laughs> the divorce rate in Maine tracks perfectly with per capita consumption of margarine in the U.S. So how do you, as someone who has a more quantitative approach, determine when a correlation is, is real and, and will hold up for your trading. 
Well, I base everything off of Norwegian salmon prices to sunspots, personally. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I get a kick out of the correlation. Okay, the correlation coefficient is mathematically bound between negative 1.0 and positive 1.0 for perfectly inversely correlated up to perfectly positively correlated. And, you know, I, I love zero because zero says, I don't know, these things don't really talk to each other, right? The thing that is always remarkable, people will spew this all the time about this is correlated to that. And I always stop and I ask them, over what time frame? I mean, <laughs> is, it, is it the entire data set? Because, I mean, that's an answer. You could say, in this entire data set compared to this entire data set, you can compute the correlation coefficient, or R squared. And yeah, that's the number. Great. Awesome. Now, does it tell me anything about the future? Not necessarily. But the way I look at correlation is much like we were talking earlier about that look-back window. You have to give it a period of time, like, is it a 20-day rolling correlation, 50, 200-day rolling correlation? I mean, this is relevant. Now, again, it doesn't tell you anything about the future, but it can shed some light as to what has been happening. Yeah. So the way I tend to look at it and think about it is I'll take like a one month look back at say 22 trading days. And I might weight that like say 70%. And then I take a look at like a five day rolling correlation and I might weight that say 30%. So now I'm taking a look at in the very short term, like there might be something crazy happening, you know, Brexit, that's top of mind right now. So yeah. the British pound might be moving with gold or something. And I might take a look at a five day and that's the 30% weighting, but let's take a look at it over the past month. And like, it comes up with a number. Okay. And that number may be useful as kind of a gauge, especially if you're getting a lot of signals occur in one market sector, you might not want to get too top heavy. But I can tell you this, trend tends to make most of its money in very short periods of high cross market correlation. So if I were to chart the rolling mixed correlation of all these instruments against everything else and plot them on a chart, when almost everything is 0.80 or higher and or negative 0.80 or lower, when everything is trending, I guarantee you I'm busy and I'm probably making money. That's just the way it is. So it's kind of a coincidental indicator as far as I'm concerned. We track it and we monitor it and we do not too, too much with it, but it is something that is observable. It's interesting that point you meant about having short bursts of high returns. I spoke to one CTA once who, who lamented that when it comes to investors, CTAs aren't what he put, feel-good strategies. <laughs> no, they and are that, not. They're not. And that you have periods of consistent, you know, not much happening, not much happening, even maybe slightly you know, negative drawdown, and then suddenly, yeah. boom, it goes big. Well, I mean, you got to accept it's a lumpy strategy set. Yeah. You know, it's like lose a bit, lose a bit, lose a bit, lose a bit. You know, there's that old expression, eat like a bird and poop like an elephant. Um, what you want to do is poop like a bird and eat like an elephant. I mean, that's what trend is. And, you know, that's only, let's say, 20% of the time. I mean, this is, by the way, uh, asset allocators out there, this is what you're paying a management fee for. The guy's not forcing trades that aren't there. He's got to eat that emotional stress of waiting and you want to pay them to be ready for when the moment's right. The moment is there. The asymmetrical risk reward opportunity is there. And you do not want him to miss that trade. 
So in my opinion, that's what the management fee is for, is for controlling those emotional highs and emotional lows. Yeah. So to wrap us up with this podcast, I wanted to put this to you. Does the experience that investors have had in 2020 bolster the case for having CTAs and specifically trend-following CTAs in their portfolios? If ever there was an argument to be had, 2020 would be the test case. Or you could just put your faith in central bank printing presses, you know, as Treasury Fed starts to buy stocks directly, which arguably they already have. Trend has a permanent home in all portfolios. Well, on that note, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And we hope to have you back on the podcast sometime soon. That's great. I am looking forward to having a proper pint in person. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> Hopefully with the news and, and vaccines, if not around the corner, or at least on the horizon, we'll be able to do that sooner rather than later. Sounds good, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the 360T podcast. Check the 360T website to catch up on past episodes and find new listings.